Up next on Inside the SCCA, Adapt and Overcome. On this episode of Inside the SCCA, the super tour that could have never happened, but did. Joining us today, from Cal Club, Mark Smith, and from SCCA National, Mark Coulter, Kevin Coulter, ah, names, who gives a heck, you know, about names. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, bro. We're doing really good. Doing really good. Um... So we're here because we had this little thing happen at uh, at Button Willow about a month ago. Uh, we were supposed to do a super tour, and we did actually. And um, uh, but uh, it was not what you would say the traditional way a super tour works. <laughs> we uh, we got to um, if anybody watched on the uh, the new live stream for the SCCA. Uh, they found out that uh, things didn't start on time. The track we were supposed to race on didn't happen. And um, it was a whole bunch of things. Mark, you've been here in Southern California for how long? Uh, about 35 years. 35 years. Um, yeah. The weather that we've had, so I, I'm in Pasadena. I, I live near Pasadena. Mark, you're down in, in Orange County, right? Uh, Long Beach. Long Beach, okay. Yeah. Um, the weather we've had for the last two and a half months. Have you ever seen anything like this in your 35 years never. here? Never. You know, we're, <laughs> we've been suffering through this, this drought period and, you know, the whole state's, you know, conserving water and you can only water your lawn once a week. And I think, I think the weather gods, the weather steward uh, decided to, to try to make us good in one, in one small period of time. Cause it's been raining, like you said, for two and a half months out here. Yeah, we we've been told for for as long as I've been here that we're in a drought, and um, I talked with a climatologist because I work for the news station, the radio news station here in L.A. I talked to a climatologist earlier this week, and I asked him. I said, if we had all of this rain that we've had in the last three months spread out over five years, we wouldn't be in a drought, would we? And he said, no, we would not be in a drought. Um, but we've had it all in one one year, one three month period, and we can't can't use all the rain we've gotten. Uh, so that brings us to um, the weekend of our Super Tour and uh, the forecast for L.A. County. Another weather guy I talked to said that this had they could not remember this ever happening before, uh, but they had posted blizzard warnings for Los Angeles County. And I'm going to guess you don't remember ever having a blizzard warning in Los Angeles County either, Mark, right? No, no never. Yeah, you know, and it's it's so strange in that you know we're sea level right so you know what are they talking about so it's got you know it's one of those things that like gets everybody really excited yeah and i didn't realize when i moved here eight years ago how hilly and mountainous southern california was you know all i think of is is you know the beaches and venice and hollywood and i i i I've, i did not realize until i had to drive over the mountain the first time that there's actually legit hills out here. Um, and and we get snow in the mountains all the time, but never down at lower levels like they were predicting, and that was the the whole blizzard warning thing. So, so Kevin, you're coming to L.A. to be the the head poobah for this particular Super, super Tour event. Um, I'm guessing one of the things you do for every event is you start looking at the forecast my guess is like 10 days out, right? Because you really can't count on anything earlier than that, right? Well, yeah, and just to know what the what to pack. I mean, come from Chicago, I pack everything anyways. And, um, of course, weather plays and everything. And even was it, I think it was Tuesday before the event, Mark, I had reached out to, said, hey, so how good does the track drain? He goes, ah, piece of cake, no problem. It drains good. We had rain here a little <laughs> while ago, and it drained just fine. And it drained just fine on Friday, even yeah, during the day. It did, it did. So, and 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 coming from Chicago, so I live in LA, um, but I, I I come from where you live. I'm a Midwestern, born in Chicago, raised in Wisconsin, school in Minnesota. So I, I know winter. Okay, I know blizzards. I was I went through the blizzard of '77. 
Um, I, I went through the blizzard in 92. So I know what, what, what weather is. When you heard blizzard warnings in L.A., what was your first thought? I was like, okay, they said, go to California in February. Sounds like a wonderful plan. <laughs> no, it's not supposed to be part of that plan. Right. So when, um, so, so one of the things that you probably learned is that we don't have the equipment out here to deal with a blizzard. Um, you know, there's, there, there are, there are some snow plows for the mountain passes, but that's what they're there for. And they use them a little bit and then that's about it. So Thursday night, I, I, I've, I've heard all these, you know, warnings. And of course I, I, I do radio news. So I'm actually giving all these warnings and people are accusing us of being, you know, oh my God, it's, you know, you're causing panic and everything. And, you know, but, but we, we do our diligent thing of, of doing the weather. And I'll be honest, um, what people might not know is we still have 22 days later now since this event. We're 22 p- days past that Super Tour event. 22 days later, there are still people stranded in their homes in the San Bernardino Mountains an hour and a half from here. So it, it, we were not being overly uh, dramatic when we were warning people. But um, so Thursday, I'm doing my thing trying to get across and up to Button Willow. And there's one. To get to Button Willow from Southern California, Mark, there's only a couple of ways to do it, and all of them involve mountain passes pretty much, right? Yep, unless you want to drive up the coast, and unfortunately that that doubles that doubles the right. trip, mileage and time and everything. So, yeah, there's two mountain passes. You either come from, uh, from Los Angeles straight up the 5 freeway, or you come from uh, Palmdale, Lancaster, up through Tehachapi right. on the 58 freeway, and uh, they both go some through some high, high, high altitudes, high elevation uh, roadways. So those of us who could and understand how all of that works tried to get up here on Thursday night, and a lot of us did. I came through the uh, I-5. We call it the Grapevine. Um, I would say probably about 5:30 on Thursday night. It was snowing. Um, and it was like not just like a flurry. It was legit coming down on Thursday night, but it wasn't sticking because it was still pretty warm at that point in time. And uh, so I got across the grapevine without any issues. A lot of other workers and drivers and teams had done that as well. Mark, you came up or er- uh, Kevin, you came up earlier, right? No, actually, I came up after you. Okay. Uh, uh, the race director, Mike West, and his wife picked me up at LAX about 615. And then we headed north, got some food. So I think we cleared fine about 830-ish. At that point, it was completely fine. I mean, right. nothing to get concerned about whatsoever. Right. Um, but then I heard that it closed at something like 11, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's how they normally do it uh, in these types of situations. So we all wake up Monday, uh, Friday morning, and, um, you know, we had uh, we had some a, a lower car, car count than usual, right, Mark? And, and I'm, I'm guessing we attribute that to what people saw in the forecast probably. Sure, you know it's uh, it's something you're, you're a racer and you're you're you've got to either go over the mountains or whatever and and you're you're you you don't you don't decide not to do it. So yeah, that that was definitely um, you know it impacted this, the the car count. But those who were there got up on Monday, on Friday morning and we had rain. Um, we, we the Button Willow is pretty much too low in the in the in the desert altitude wise to get snow um i don't think i mean it would have to be really crazy for button willow to get snow um but we could see it on the mountains 50 miles away right correct yeah yeah it was um so for us it was primarily a rain event and um well it was an entire rain event (laughs) in more ways than one um, Friday, it rained pretty steadily all day. We got all of our qualifying in, no problems. Um, and, uh, and, uh, we all went to bed Friday night thinking, you know, and, and that, that, um, we'd, we'd get some more rain on Saturday, but, uh, the track drains well. I, I've been to Buttonwilla now for 10 years, almost 10 years. Never had to see, uh, never saw the track have to get shut down for anything other than, um, like, heavy puddling for a short period of time that just drained away after the rain stopped. Um, and, uh, and, I don't, and I think that's only happened once or twice. And I think that was up more visibility was probably part, probably why we stopped racing and maybe even some lightning for the workers. But uh, I don't remember any 
track blockage. And maybe I'm giving a deep tease here um, as to what we woke up to Saturday morning. Um, so Saturday, it rained all night. We were in, uh, I was in uh, Bakersfield staying overnight, rained all night long, woke up a couple times in the middle of the night, rain, rain, rain. I'm like, uh, you know, Saturday's going to stink, but we're going to do it. We're going to have fun. Try to anyway. Uh, so I get to the track on Sunday, Saturday morning and, you know, doing my thing. And, I, and, and all of a sudden I start hearing, hearing rumblings, you know, the rumor mill. People are talking about, oh, we, 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 might have a, we might have to delay our start. I'm like, okay, delay our start. Well, that's kind of cool. You know, we do that every once in a while. Um, I didn't understand what, what was happening. Mark, when did you first find out on Saturday morning that there might be something going on? So um, as race chairman, I, you know, I'm kind of up early and making sure the ball's rolling in the right direction and everything. And uh, the track uh, does a good job of maintaining. Uh, they sweep every morning and stuff. And the, the track uh, maintenance guys had gone out to sweep. And uh, they, uh, they, they, they got to a, a particular stretch of uh, racetrack that was uh, uh, unpassable, basically. Had the river flowing through it. It was, uh, it was pretty big area. And uh, we knew we had a problem at that point in time. That, you know, that, that might have been, you know, seven in the morning type of thing. Um, so when I have I have some pictures that uh, I, that I was sent from from Kevin. Um, these are the I'm going to cut to them now. We can talk over them. Um, this is what it looked like Saturday morning. You guys can't see these, I don't think. Um, but it's the it's the pictures of Saturday morning. The one I'm looking at right now has full full track blockage. Um, this is the area um, we, we number things weird, Mark, at, at Button Willow because we run the track in both directions. How would you describe which part of the racetrack this is? So this is the, the, the short, straight section that parallels the Fry Freewood. So um, uh, it's, it's going from what we refer to uh, to turn 14 to 13, uh, basically. And um, uh, we were going... Unfortunately, we were going, we were reducing in turn numbers as we went forward, um, <laughs> kind of backwards wise. But, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, you can see from the picture that um, life wasn't good at that point. In time. Right. So, Kevin, when, when did you first hear there might be a problem? Well, uh, you know, Mike and me and the role as clerk of the course, we get there in time for the worker meeting, which is 7.15, so we're there a few minutes before that. I don't think we even had our shoes on the ground getting out of the car, and Mark was there to say, um, we're going to be on a little bit of a hold. We have a little bit of water on the track, and thought, okay, we can deal with it. So we went to go take a little ride, <laughs> and then you saw what we saw on those pictures. Right. And at that point, when you when you were thought a little hold, what, what was your best guesstimate at that point in time? I was thinking a couple hours because at that point, when we got out there, they were just starting to set up the pumps. And it was still um, raining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It right. was still raining. It was still raining. But they were just in the process of setting up the pumps at that point. So it was still getting in the not good direction. But figure, okay, get a couple good sized pumps because they were some pretty honking pumps that they had out there. Right. Figure, okay, we can get ahead of this. And I was told, Mark, that the the depth of that um that area at the time if you were to go all the way into that was about hub deep on a on a good sized pickup truck right it was probably it was it was waist deep um we watched you know you, you got to give credit to the uh the butt mullow maintenance community mm -hmm. those guys you know they 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 lost their shoes in the mud <laughs> you know you did that as a kid well we watched them do that they were out there you know that unfortunately that all that water there's there's mud underneath it and they you know trying to walk through that stuff to set those pumps up and um, you know it, you have the big struggle of where do you where do you put that water yeah so that it doesn't come back so you know they had to hook along hoses together uh, throw it over in the farmer's field next door over on the other side of a berm so it wouldn't come back but you know as 
as, as Kevin was saying, you know, we all looked at it and thought it was going to be, you know, just a couple hours, but you, you don't have the scope of how big that, that lake of water was. It went, it went around the track on the outside and it was, we just found the low point. The low point was where it was crossing the track. Right. So, you know, you, you, you have to keep pumping and pumping and pumping and, you know, wasn't pretty. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and if I, if I understand correctly, when they started pumping over the berm, what was happening was it was going over the berm, then flowing down to the end of the berm and then coming right back. Right. <laughs> no, actually, um, actually we were lucky enough that the berm was, was pretty solid all the way across. But what was happening was that the lake was so big the, lake, the 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 pool of water that we had to get rid of that was crossing the track was so big that it wasn't making a dent. The water just kept coming. Yeah, the lake lake sunk, but it, there was you know half a mile away the lake was still there, and it was you know we just were at the low point, and, mm -hmm. and you had to drain the whole thing before you could uh, you could you could get it to stop. And throughout this whole time, you know, we're making announcements over the PA to the to the drivers and and crews and letting them know what was going on. And um, uh, where during the day, at what point, Kevin, did you say to yourself, this this track in this configuration is not raceable today? Well, Mark kept going out to to the scene and. Uh, he kept calling me uh, and giving me updates. And at one point he said words to the fact that this just isn't working. I can tell a difference, but it's not going to help us for today. Right. And so that's when Mike West, uh, the race director, myself, we also grabbed the local chief steward, Maggie Clark. We got in the car and went out there to look for ourselves a second time and said, yeah, we can tell a difference, but. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's it's not going to help. And that's about what time Saturday morning would you say? I'm going to say probably nine thirty. Yeah, okay. nine thirty, quarter okay. to ten. All right. And so, so at that point, then it was just a matter of okay, we know we're racing, just how? Right. Before we get to that, let's take our break, um, because what happens in the next two hours is nothing short of a miracle. And um, at least I look at it that way. I think probably everyone knew it could get done. But but I, I've been around the country and raced in a lot of different places with a lot of different regions and a lot of different racetracks. And what happened in that two-hour period was pretty amazing. So let's do this. Let's take a break. Um, and when we come back, we'll talk about how we went racing at Button Willow on that Saturday. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Decades of sports car racing success comes from Goodyear Racing Tires' dedication to grassroots motorsports. Too many trophies and championships account, and a commitment to continuing that tradition fuels continued tire development. From the professional levels of motorsports to the pinnacle of amateur racing in the SCCA, Goodyear Racing Tires are made for winning trophies. Follow at Race Goodyear on Facebook or scan the QR code. Goodyear Racing is more driven. Sentinel by Candle Area Racing Products is a comprehensive motorsports video system. Incorporating live streaming, local recording, picture-in-picture, -picture, flag status, leaderboards, data overlays, and more. Perfect for endurance racing, sprint racing, and HPDE, Sentinel includes everything you need to get started. With the ability to control the live feed from the cloud, and GPS Auto Start will never miss an on-track moment. What are you waiting for? Get your Sentinel today. Vintage Racers for Rescues. Racers rescuing dogs and cats from high-kill rural shelters and high-risk situations. Virginia and North Carolina have the third highest euthanasia rate in the U.S. and Vintage Racers for Rescues founders, Robin and Dave Handy, decided to do something about it. Vintage Racers for Rescues is a 501c3 charity that saves between three and 400 animals every year, nursing them back to health, finding foster homes, and eventually forever homes. VintageRacersForRescues.com Use the QR code to find them on the web or to make a donation. Corgi Sport is your one-stop shop for new and used mini parts and accessories. Whether it's driven on the street or on the racetrack, we have everything you need. From the small interior parts all the way to used and rebuilt motors. And with our sponsorship of the GPM Race Team, who travel to more than 30 tracks east of the Mississippi, 
We have a built-in delivery system that can save money on delivering large parts. Our line of Corgi Sport apparel celebrates the special bond between mini owners and their dogs. Mention this ad for a 10% discount at corgisport.com. Welcome back to Inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky. Mark Smith, Kevin Coulter, my guests today, talking about the Super Tour that almost didn't happen, but did. Thank you guys for being here with me tonight. So so we've gotten through all of the, the morning, and we figured out there's a problem, and we figured out that that problem in that particular way is not solvable on Saturday. And uh, that's where the design of Button Willow was golden for us um mark or uh, kevin there's a lot of racetracks that we race at that if this were a situation at a different racetrack we'd be done right that's probably 90 percent of the tracks in the country were toast yeah Uh, button willows configuration is what led to this uh us being able to run because if if we did not have the alternatives all the different variations uh, we would not have been able to run. Right, right. For the rest of the week, we've been done for the weekend. So, so Mark, there are twenty-seven different configurations, give or take, right? And they most of them can be run in both directions, right? Yep, that's correct. Uh, they all can be run in both directions. Um, but one of the unique things that when the track was being built, that Cal Club, who owns the track, one of the things we asked for was the ability to hold two events at the same time. So in the past, we've had a driver's school and a regional on the same on the same day, but on, on basically two different tracks. So the whole track actually kind of you split it in half and um and and they're separate but safe, right. you know, can be done separately. So so yeah, when we 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 requested that and the track designed and built it and you know, this is one of the times it paid off. Right. But when you did that, <laughs> you had decided to run that type of setup weeks ahead of the race, right? Exactly. So the, the... you didn't decide two hours before race time that you were going to go and race on a different race configuration, right? The Exactly. I mean, <laughs> and, and I, you know, so I'm sure this is where you're leading to. It is. There was there was there was a ton of stuff that had to change. I mean, you come in and you're ready to do one big configuration. You have everything set up. You have all your assets in place, and and suddenly you 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 can't you can't make that happen, and you have to make a change. Right. And uh, you know, and and I think this is you know this is where the the effort. Um, to make it all happen is uh, is trying to be recognized. So. Right. So, so Kevin, you and Mike and Maggie sit in the car, knowing that you can't go racing on the full racetrack. Um, how how long was it to make the decision we're going to make a move? And did you have to give a call to to Pika to yes. talk with folks? And you know, because yes. when we set up a race, you know, there are sanction numbers. It's all kind of set in stone for the most part how a weekend's supposed to run so did you have to make a call to 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 the higher-ups and say here's our situation and here's what we want to do and can we do it well once we were on hold for a known period of time at that point i already texted eric and deanna and then we were in the car we went around a couple times trying to figure out what is the best of the 27 configurations or remaining configurations that we can run in, giving the drivers as much track time as possible, length of the track. And also, too, that if a driver, let's say Brian's in a spec racer, and he overshoots a corner and just locks him up, that he's not going swimming out in the Pacific Ocean. Um, and, and, that and, was and, a, and that was a large consideration. Right. I mean, that was a big part because, yes, the 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 the, the western side of the racetrack was the track itself had not a lot of water no no huge lakes maybe some puddles here and there um but but there were still areas off off the track where it could be dangerous if you got there right exactly and so what was fortunate was this exact configuration mark reference that they've used for the driver school and stuff 
was after several laps decided to be the, the, the safest way to go. The smallest amount of straight off water puddles. At that point, we placed a call to Deanna and said, okay, this is what we got. You good with it? And she said, go with what you got. Right. And came back in. We talked to Mark because he was ready. He knew we were making a move with just <laughs> which particulars. And then it was go time. All right. So, Mark, Kevin comes to you, says, here's the plan. Tell me about the 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 series of decisions that had to be made at that point to get everything moved. And, and there was one in particular um, about timing and scoring. We'll talk about that kind of at the end of this. But what what? How did you get your team going how, to, to get this thing done? Because it was not an easy an easy prospect. So you know, it, it impacted everybody, every specialty, with probably the exception of tech because it was um, tech didn't have to change or move. But um, getting the, um, the, the track maintenance people on board as soon as possible, the heavy lifting, we had to move some concrete uh, walls on the front straight to allow us um, to have access. They, I mean, it was built that way, but have access to this, this new track, an a, a entry road to mm -hmm. the track type of thing. So um, getting them to do that, in the middle of trying to pump water was was difficult, but they jumped at it and got that done. Um, uh, our grid area it had to change 180 degrees. Entry was one way, uh, exit was a different way. So you know, all of that had to be put in place. Um, and, and about well, and, and about half the grid area mark was underwater too. Luckily, it's wide enough, right. so they were able to scoop to the to the dry part. Um, our, uh, uh, what was I saying? I, I forgot. I, I interrupted you. Sorry. Um, um, but, but, you know, um, all of that stuff had to happen. And then of course, you know, you, you talked about the, the, the monster in the building, the timing and scoring. Right. Well, well uh, luckily enough for us that, uh, there's a timing loop over there. So we're, 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 you know, we're, we're lucky in the super tour world to have skibby and carol uh, reber um you know doing doing the timing and scoring stuff for us and uh the only unknown the biggest unknown the thing that we really had to check out first was if the timing loop worked when was the yeah. last time that timing loop was used it was probably three or four or five years ago somewhere right. in that range um uh, obviously we don't use it for schools but we've had we run regionals on on that section before so it's been used, and 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 again, um, so it's 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 humorous in that the 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 timing shack is about four by four. I mean, it's not that small, but it's pretty small. But um, we use it as the sound shack when we when we're taking sound readings, right? And so um, we've got to get. Carol and 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 Skibby and all of their computers and all of that equipment out. Well, it's on the far side of one of our lakes, our, our new rain-made lakes. And it's in the the I mean, part of our problem is it's been raining for months and the ground is saturated. Right. It's not so how do we get them and their equipment out through all of this? grass and dirt area to their shaft. So um, the only way we, we could do that was was with a golf cart, of all things. But that golf cart got stuck three or four times <laughs> and uh, and had to be rescued by by the track's uh, ATV, you know, four, side by side. But um, it was, you know, it was, we got there, Skibby set his stuff up right away, everything worked. You know, that was... That was really the big, the big thing that we had to overcome, because we really would have been hard to 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 hold the event without any any timing and scoring. Right. Yeah. It it, it would have been hard. And you know, and as being one of the broadcasters, while while our part of the operation of the event is not at all mission critical, um, trying to broadcast you know eight races without timing and scoring, 
I mean, we're we're not that exciting with timing and scoring, and uh, but we we're really unexciting without timing and scoring. So I am like, please make this work, please make this work, gosh, please make this work. Um, and and credit to to both Carol and Skibby, they they got out there and they put it all together, and um, you know, and and, and it is, it's got to be what. 800 yards, 1,000 yards from one from, from the big tower to that timing shack. It's not like it's a close move. And I was wondering if the power was going to work out there and all of the other bits and things that you need. There was no air. There was no heat. So, we, you know, we were all giving Carol extra clothing that we had brought to the racetrack so that she could stay warm out there. Um, it was just a lot of work to, to get that going. And, and they did a great job. Yeah. Yeah, and again, again, the other the other specialty I was talking about was flagging. So right. you know, you kind of move all of those people to new stations. Those stations, we're we're lucky enough here in, in Cal Club and at Button Willow to have landlines versus versus radio. So we had to you know hook up new landlines and and make sure that system you know that that loop was working and all that kind of stuff. And it was you know again the the, the Button Willow facility track you know people. Their staff just stepped up and went out of their way to try to make it work. Not their fault that it rained and their ground wouldn't absorb it, but 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 they stepped up and uh, and enabled us to 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 make a good stab at at putting on a good weekend. So so Kevin, from an operational standpoint, all right, the decision's been made. All the things are moving. The the specialties are doing what needs to be done to get racing. Um, you've got a super tour. You know, this is the elite top of the top of the rung SCCA road racing event. And you've got drivers who are about to go racing on a configuration that a good bit of them have never seen before. What what are you and your team doing to decide, okay, um, they've there's been no qualifying on this configuration, so we don't even know where to grid them. Um, many of them have never driven on this configuration before. How did you guys come up with the plan that you came up with to get us to racing once it was time to put cars on this racetrack? So while the Mark was starting the move process, while the uh, track people from Button Willow were working on the walls and stuff like that, Mike West, the race director, had a driver's meeting. And I had already run upstairs once because when I come to an event, my role as clerk of the course is, Execute a schedule. You know, Mark and his team put out a schedule that we looked at three months ago or whatever. That comes preloaded to my laptop, but I also have a separate tab where I adjust as things happen, engines blow, whatever the case may be. So I knew we're about where we needed to be on time, but the question was how long was it going to take to get all this other stuff? And the one that really scared me was the timing loop because, you know, when Mark first said, eh, it's been about three years since we've used it, and I'm thinking, okay, all this water, that wiring is post mm-hmm. i mean it was, was i think we'd all agree with that lake being that lake where that was uh brian i don't know if you got out there but that was oh i did <laughs> it was a canoe yeah. it needed a canoe um so mike held the driver's meeting and yes the concern was they haven't seen it before we knew we could give them some qualifying so everything from friday went out the window just how long we didn't know so at this point, we got word that the wall was open. So we said, okay, uh, go ahead, go around slowly behind the safety car in your street cars. We can still do, Mark said he had enough of the stuff moved to where we could use the, the blacktop or the wet top uh, for them to make three or four laps behind the safety car and at a slow speed so they could just get used to it. The beauty with the configuration we used, it's really what, Mark, maybe a third of a mile is all that they really had not been on on right. Friday because it's just from the normal front straightaway to the back. And then the rest of the loop all the way down towards Mazda and all that stuff was all the same track. So it's only really a couple corners right. so, that they so, had to learn. So for, for folks who are familiar with racing at Buttonwell or who may not have seen what we did, um, it was basically the entire West Loop, and then the cut through to go back to the dog leg was just before or after, depending on what direction we're racing, uh, the start-finish line. So um, it completely em- eliminates the start stand that we normally use. 
um, and um, we were running in a clockwise direction. So you would come down the front straight. You'd make this, this hard right 90 degree almost. Um, it, was, it was a little bit of a sweeper. Uh, cut across the infield towards the dog leg and then get back on back there and head down towards Riverside. So that was the um, that was the configuration that uh, that we used. And and Kevin, you're right. You know, all of that track is stuff that we use all the time, except for that cut through. So. Right. And so it was just the idea of giving the drivers at least some familiarity because they weren't going to have a long qualifying. They were not going to have a normal qualifying session. And at that point, we were thinking maybe eight to 10 minutes because we didn't know when we had the meeting what time we were starting. Right, right. So so qualifying, um, th- those those parade laps are done. And uh, we, we were joking about, you know, we, we, we created a new class, spec pickup, because um, 90% of the drivers out there were driving around in their tow vehicles, uh, which I mm-hmm. thought was hilarious. Um, and, uh, but that was, that was fun to watch as everyone was scrambling to get things done. Um, let's do this. I, I think this is a good place to take, uh, to take the first, our, our last break, uh, before we talk about how we got to racing and, and, and how that all worked out and then Sunday morning as well. So, uh, let's do that. Let's take our break. And then when we come back, we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll go racing and uh, we'll talk about all the rest of it. Stay with us. Decades of sports car racing success comes from Goodyear Racing Tires' dedication to grassroots motorsports. Too many trophies and championships account, and a commitment to continuing that tradition fuels continued tire development. From the professional levels of motorsports to the pinnacle of amateur racing in the SCCA, Goodyear Racing Tires are made for winning trophies. Follow at Race Goodyear on Facebook or scan the QR code. Goodyear Racing is more driven. The Roadkeeper HD video and data logger was developed using our experience in motorsports, driving experiences, and beyond. It brings dual stream HD video combined with high quality GPS data within reach of everyone at the track or on the road. Travinci Systems is an official runoffs contingency sponsor, and it's not too late to sign up. On-site registration is available at the contingency desk in tech. The Roadkeeper HD meets SECA's requirements for forward-facing cameras. Take advantage of 2022 runoffs pricing for the Roadkeeper HD $324 plus shipping. That's $75 off. Offer is good through Christmas. Grass Paddock Motorsport provides Mini Cooper race car rentals, trackside support, and coaching at tracks all over the eastern half of the country. GPM provides podium-capable rentals for B-Spec, the fastest-growing class of racing in the SECA, for three years running, and now the fourth-largest class overall. We have a unique approach where our cars are located near the track you want to race instead of being in a central location with large towing fees. Come join us at Grass Paddock Motorsports, where Grass Paddock is an attitude and not a location. Mention this ad for a 10% discount and find us at www.grasspaddock.com. Racing for Heroes is proud to be a partner of Inside the SECA. RFH is a nonprofit devoted to helping veterans suffering from the seen and unseen wounds of war through racing and our range of programs. RFH's programs include health and wellness, motorsports therapy, community outreach, education, and employment. Visit RacingForHeroes.org to learn more and find out how you can help. Cruise Associates is honored to have sponsored this message. And we're back inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky, Mark Smith, Kevin Coulter, my guests, talking about our Butt Willow Super Tour, the great adventure that it was. And uh, we've gone through all of the, the heroics that uh, that we're gone through to get to racing. Now it's about noon on Saturday, give or take. I think we went racing at twelve fifteen, or at least started qualifying. Eleven forty five, cars Le- on track. Eleven forty five. It's. Uh, I'm still. I'm still dealing with some trauma from this weekend, so I don't have all of the. I don't have all of the times in my head. Eleven forty five, cars on track, and Kevin. It really couldn't have gone any better, could it have? No, it went smooth. You know, I I, I want to back up a bit because once we got the idea of where we were going, you know, we, we saw we were making progress, we had timing up. Then it became, what are we going to do as far as how long the sessions are? And then that's where, thank you, Dr. Excel comes in mm-hmm. and spreadsheet. And I talked with Mark and he said, I said, what time do we have the track? So he goes, 
you're dark at 5.45. I said, all right, so we're off by 5.30. And just worked backwards, and we came up with 12-minute qualifying sessions. Again, not ideal for a super tour and 20-minute races. Again, not 100% ideal, but it was what we had. And then we just kept hauling. Uh, props to the workers because one thing they had to move was their lunch. So their lunch was done while we were still setting everything up and the parade laps were going on. Their worker breaks went out the window. Um, uh, things that you don't even think about, things like porta potties, which, mm. but well, has plenty of them, except I, I thought a couple were going to float away. So we were <laughs> having to send out in between races a couple of emergency vehicles, bring people in to use the necessary facility. Right. Um, again, that's something that would not have happened any other time. Yeah. Except for the yeah. track conditions, Mark. You know, we, we at and Cal Club, and and for, for those of you who haven't figured it out, you know, I I, I call Pasadena home now. So my home track now uh, is is Button Willow, and um, you know, I I've been fortunate enough to be members of lots of regions across the country. Um, started in in Chicago and Milwaukee region, Atlanta region, up in up in the Northeast. So I, I've been a part of a lot of regions. And uh, I've been out here as as part of a Cal Club member now for almost ten years. And Mark, we really, I think, we don't talk about it much outwardly. Um, and I don't talk about it much outwardly. But as someone who's been part of a lot of regions, I don't think there's any region out there who does customer service better than Cal Club. Uh, you and CC and the team work really, really hard to give the drivers what they're what they want the experience that they want you work really hard to to give the workers the best experience they can possibly have because our workers are our customers too if if we don't make them happy they're not coming back and if we don't have workers we don't go racing um what was what were you hearing mark from the drivers as we're going through all of this getting ready to try to go racing even with this compressed schedule you know, I, I had the opportunity to, to sit around in the uh, impound area and uh, talk to a couple of them. And uh, they were more than happy just to have the opportunity to race. And like I heard so many times was they had expected that it would just pack up and go away and, and cancel the, the weekend. It was, you know, that that was their expectation when they woke up and they got to the track and they saw how bad it was. Um, you know, as a uh, as the race chairman, as a Cal Club member, as a worker, you know that you, you want people to come to your racetrack. You want them to have fun, and they want to leave uh, having a good time. You know, being uh, whether they're successful racing or not, that's one thing. But you don't want to be responsible for um, for them leaving with a bad with a bad uh, opinion of the event of the facility of the track. And, and again, the feedback when they came in after their qualifying sessions and impound after the you know, victory stand on Saturday was just, you know, giddy. They were giddy. They were having fun. You know, a side story. We had, you know, the two, two of the hot P one drivers, uh, Davenport and, um, uh, uh, what's chip, it? chip hair. Chip hair. Yeah. Romer. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Romer. To Bromer. And you know, those guys were nose to tail running sub one minute laps and and they got out laughing, giggling, said, you know, this is kind of the most fun uh we've had. Yeah, it, it is a short track. If if you've got a P1 car, you're gonna do one minute laps, but you're you're constantly turning and you're constantly busy, but it had a good flow. So so they had a ball, and that's kind of the the, the story that I was hearing from 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 many 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 of the drivers, yeah. uh, Kevin might might have heard more up the chain, but it it was a good it, they 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 enjoyed it, the opportunity to race. Well, and I would just like to add that amongst the Super Tour traveling staff, the region, we never discussed pulling the plug on the weekend because you know once we were out there first thing Saturday morning, we, we always had the back of our head. We know we've got something else we can work with. Wasn't sure exactly what. But we knew we had something else to work with. So we were always at it. We're going, we're putting cars on track. Yes. 
Our first goal was hopefully to get the track pumped and maybe just dump Saturday morning qualifying race on the full track by one o'clock. Right. But again, we had figured one o'clock, that was our drop dead. We were, we had to be racing by then or else it wasn't happening. Uh, but we never entertained asking people to pack up. Right. Right. You know, Ke- Kevin, the, the configuration that we used reminds me of a track that I know you are really familiar with and that's Blackhawk farms. Yeah. It, it was about the same distance. Yeah. Uh, I think it was about the same number of corners and and because the weather kind of put the put the the the, the brakes on some of the drivers coming in the first place, we didn't have big fields. And I think that the racing was almost better on the smaller track because it made a, a, a more compressed action. And when we had the smaller fields, we had some, you know, some races that that on the big track might have been kind of snoozers, and they weren't by any stretch. There was there wasn't a snoozer of a race all weekend long. No, because once we went racing, you know, the track is so short. There was always action coming. You know, you get a few laps in, there was always something coming. Uh, and the other thing too is it was an equalizer. So I don't know how many drivers we had that that had not run button wheel a lot, but guess what? Everybody was on equal footing having to learn at least that one section that was brand new. Right. And, and that's something I always enjoy is something, watching something that's an equalized where everybody's on the same footing. doesn't matter who you are. Right. And it was interesting because, because of this new section, um, one of the things that was, we, we had fun watching as the weekend developed was, um, and we talked about this with Scotty B. White on the broadcast, um, the exit onto the, what was the, what is the normally the main straight um, had to be taken differently to go fast because you were you were very quickly getting ready to transition into that new section of track. So there were people who were trying to take the section the way they always had, and that was not the fast way to go. And some drivers learned this really quick and got going fast, and other drivers it took a while for them to realize, oh, I can't do this that way. Um, and it was actually good because the old way, um, the normal way, gives you uh, a lot of, of – um, incentive to go right out to the to the mud, and and if you get out in the mud on this weekend, you were maybe not coming back. Whereas the the proper way on the new configuration was to not go out that far and to cut back around to make that right hander onto this new section. So um, it was just fun to watch the drivers adapt to this little bit of new track as the weekend as the weekend wore on. Um, so we we had eight good races. Was it eight races? Seven races? On I don't remember now. Seven races. On Saturday, uh, pretty much, you know, incident-free. Uh, everyone played well, had some great finishes. And uh, we uh, we went home Saturday night, still thinking we might try to race on the big track on Sunday, right? That was the hope. Um, but by the time we left Saturday night, you, the water was traveling downhill west, whatever you want to call it, more towards the... 17, 16, 15 area. Right. Um, and that became our nemesis for Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the track was fairly, the track itself was fairly clear, but going off in any of those areas, you might have needed a submarine to come and get you. Ooh, a- actually, there was still enough water physically on the track in yeah. the 17, 16, 15 area. It, we lost, what, Mark, half the track at that area? They, mm-hmm. Saturday morning area was was actually fine. That was completely raceable. Right. Yeah, and it but, also rained overnight Saturday night again, too, which yeah. made it even more difficult. So, so Sunday morning we got up. The decision was quickly made to go race the way we did on Sunday, and uh, we did it again on Sunday. Only change was we uh, Saturday night. My homework in the hotel room was calculate the number of laps uh, for the new distance because. Again, trying to keep with the super tour and stuff like that. Took the original miles mm-hmm. that Mark and CC had come up with. Got as close as I could with the uh, new track distance, and that's how we came up with the number of laps for Sunday. It was what? It was twenty nine. Yeah, twenty eight or twenty nine. Whatever it was. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. super tour with twenty nine laps. It's been. A long... <laughs> I don't know how many we get at Hallett, but I think Hallett's the shortest one of of all of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the shortest plan. 
Exactly. The shortest plan. That's true. Exactly. So um, what what did we learn? You know, this is one of those things where you, you, you get yourself, you put on your, your I'm, I'm focused on getting this weekend done. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of adapt and overcome. It's it's you know, it, you get to get it, get into get her done mode. Now we're we're three weeks out. We're three, we're three weeks past. We're all dry. Um, we've had a chance to reflect a little bit. Um, uh, let's start with let's start with you, Kevin. W- what 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 was learned? What might you do differently if it happens again? What did we learn? What we learned is what great teamwork we have. I mean, we have people from all across the country, the traveling staff with SCCA, the local people from the butt wheel track, the facility people, um, uh, the Cal Club region people. We all come together, come together with a plan, and we deal with the things that Mother Nature gives us, you know, and uh, everybody just was flexible. That, that was the thing is when something like this happens, everybody's got to be flexible, and everybody was completely again from the drivers the crews uh you know every volunteer especially as mark said you know tech was the only one that was not affected i mean the one thing you didn't mention was start and finish were, were not in the same place oh yeah that too we had to start in one place and finish with another place and no there was not a pain in line across the track but it's where the loop was was where, where the finish line was but everybody came together to say okay we've got an icky situation how we can make this to where we can come out here and do what we want to do, have fun with cars, right? right? And I think we did, you know, Mark was down in the paddock more than I was. I was up with you right up in the tower. And I, I want to also uh, thank you, Brian, for, you know, you were the one I was, was my mouthpiece to the, on the PA. Uh, and then I was texting or calling uh, Mark's wife, Cece, to get text blacks fast last out with the, new schedule, new start time, all that type of stuff. And without that communication piece, it, it, it's difficult, you know, and, but everyone was so flexible. It worked well together. I'm laughing only because I think I might be the only one the entire weekend to actually screw up. And that was on Saturday when you would call the driver's meeting to tell the drivers what the plan was. And I didn't realize when I was talking on the stream that I was also going out over the PA. And I spilled the beans to everybody before you guys even have a, had a chance to start your driver's meeting. And like I was like, and, and everyone's like, the PA's on, the P's on. I'm like, what's that mean? Why is it ever a problem? Oh, crap. I know why it's a problem. I'm just telling the whole world what they're trying to have a driver's meeting for. So I think I was the only one the whole weekend to screw up. But um, it was fun. It was fun. Mark, what did you learn? Yeah. Uh- Kevin mentioned it, you know, the flexibility part, you know, we, uh, we as race organizers, we as, as the super tour team, I'm part of the super tour uh, staff. Um, you know, we, we go in with a lot of rules, you know, we, 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 we live by rules and, you know, it's got to do this, but you know, there's times where those rules have to be altered a bit to be, you know, to make something work. And, um, you know, uh, Keeping everybody informed. Uh, so Brian, you leak some stuff out, but you know, gosh darn it, if you if you let your customers, the racers, the the, the crews know what you're going through and get an understanding of the decisions, then I mean they'll jump right on board and, and, and they'll help you. They make it. I mean, we had drivers um, offer up things that they had in their their trailer. We had you know we had. Um, uh, Mark Ballinger from uh, Spec Racer Ford guys. He's got a farm just down the road. He was ready to pack his truck up and you know and go back to the farm and bring pumps out to help us work. You know, you gotta if you if you if you tell people what you're doing, it makes it a lot easier um, uh, getting their buy-in to, to why you're doing it. Right. And you know that that was part of it. And there's no planning you can do in case something like this happens. You know. Um, we, we, I, I, you know, unless there's other tracks out there that have uh, multiple configurations, there's, you know, they, I don't, I don't know how, you, how there's anything that we could have done to, to, if we had a, a, a if we were at, uh, say we were at Willow Springs, one of our other Southern California tracks, if, if part of that track got flooded, there, there there's nothing that we could have done. Right. You know, you, you just kind of, 
we were lucky in the fact that the track was designed the way it was. So, um, you know, and, and it's just, again, keeping everybody informed and, and having a good group and, and kind of having fun. Don't stress out. I don't think any of any of anybody got, you know, hysterically, you know, crazy. And, you know, that happens at times and that really just makes things worse. And, and everybody was just calm and just made it happen. And, uh, you know, uh, the best I can do. Yeah. You know, that was the one part that I thought was remarkable because there's always one person in the group who goes cray cray when something like this happens. And I don't think anybody did that, which I thought was really remarkable. Everybody seemed like they're like, okay, we're just going to make it happen. And, and we went along and did our thing and, and, um, and all of that. Mark, any, any discussions uh, now that we're past this about, you know, dig, digging a trench to have water point in another direction, if this were to ever happen again, any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, you know, we, we've been at Buttonwell forever. I'm very tight with the track and, 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 and the people, um, that worked there and the design and everything never ever been this this bad never been this bad so and that's been you know it's it's like 25 years so you know after 25 years you know, if you got through 25 years you know is it, is it really necessary to make do something radical fair enough uh, uh but but at the same time the track people are learning you know we're we're in the process of building uh cal club is in the process of building a new track at button level so now that we've we've had the opportunity to get this much water, they've been actually overlooking at the new track before it finally gets paved to see where the water's flowing. So to see if they have to do any you sure. know any any changes, deviations of you know building higher bones or whatever. So you know that's something that the track is. They did go out and buy bigger, more pumps, so they do have more pumps, and I you know. And Brian, we're, we're getting ready to have a race this weekend or next weekend. Yep. And they, uh, it's been raining here forever, so um, the pumps are getting a good workout right now. So uh, I'm going to ask you each one more question before I tell a short story. Um, before we get out, um, anything that you would said to yourself when you were done? Oh, we should have done that differently. Let's start with Kevin. I the answer could be no. I think with the deck of cards we were dealt, um, and again, I mean, if if I have my crystal ball working, to know that the pumps weren't going to be able to pump us off, we started a little bit earlier, but I, I, I think we did things as quickly as we possibly could to get everybody on track and get everybody every minute of track time we possibly could, which was the goal. Right. That's always the goal of Super Tour. Give everybody every second of track time that they pay for. Same question to you, Mark. Anything that you would do differently today? I don't I don't believe so. You know, I mean I, I it's it's it I had ideas. I kind of made the ball go in the other direction, but it was all the people around me that, that made it yeah. made it happen. So there was one driver, Mark, and I can't remember his name, but you might you might remember it, um, who showed up on Sunday morning. After leaving, I believe on Thursday night, to try to get to Button Willow, and uh, the, racing that weekend was very important for him. To, I think to get the points to qualify for the runoff. So he was he was coming to Button Willow, come higher hell water, hell or high water, <laughs> literally. Um, and he made it Sunday morning at six a.m. I ran into him registration. Um, he looked exhausted and frustrated and happy as could be to be at Button Willow. After a 40, it took him 40 hours to get from San Diego, which is only about what, normally five, four hours south of Button Willow? Yeah. Four or five hours. Do you yeah. remember who it was? GT3 driver? Yeah, that was Tony Rivera. That's from exactly. San Diego. Yep. Yeah, the story, the story goes um, he, uh, you know, we talked about the three different ways to get to Button Willow. Yep. Well, he tried he, all three. He tried all three more than once and drove. In excess of 800 miles in, in in those days to get to the track, got there first thing in the morning, and yeah, like you said, he was uh, he was just happy to be there. Yeah, I, I've never seen someone look so tired and so happy at the exact same time. All right, yeah. gentlemen, thank you. Um, it, this was I I just wanted to do this podcast because it was so much fun to um, uh, go through this while we were doing it. 
and to see the club. And, and I'm just the bird's eye view guy. I'm looking from the outside. You guys are doing all the hard work. Um, and it was just a marvel to see everyone come together and and get it done. And I just want to thank you all and to all the workers and the drivers who were there to get it on the to get it going. Um, I think everybody did just a really remarkable job. Any final thoughts from the two of you before I head out? If I if I don't mention Cece and Laura on the victory stand, you know, part of one of the things that we one of the things that we did have a problem with was trophies. Mm. They were stuck in the weather. They were stuck in Denver. So you show up to a super tour, part of the fluff and circumstances of a super tour is the victory celebration, victory punch. They had no trophies. So they, they actually repurposed some of our, our Cal Club trophies uh, with the Super Tour logos and all that kind of stuff and went out of their way. And, the, and, and you know, trying to do a victory stand in the rain and all that kind of stuff, they really made it fun. So um, kudos to, to the victory people. There you go. All right. That's going to do it for another episode of Inside the SEC. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network so you won't miss an episode. Also, subscribe to the Racing Network on YouTube. It'd be great if you'd leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. If it's not, put it on someone else's page. You can follow us on social media to find out who our next guest is. Leave a question on Twitter. It's at RacingWireNet. There's a new Inside the SCCA every week. I'm Brian Bolanski. Have yourself a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and go play with cards.